Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Everybody, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chelsea, and we're in a lot of John, actually. Yeah, for once. Yes. <laughs> Are you like, off- are you offended? I just feel like we don't usually read a lot of John. Are you sad for John? We're reading a lot of synoptic gospels. Oh, fancy. <clears throat> so as we read over a lot of this John book that you like so much, um, <laughs> what'd you find out? Um, well, Jesus is not a fan of his brothers trying to make him famous. Oh, boy. Or are they trying to make him famous? Oh, boy. Because they don't actually believe in him, which is a bummer. For Jesus. Uh, I do like, I think, I think the line is hilarious. John 7, verse 4. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you do <laughs> such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. Ryan, you can't get famous if you're not on Instagram. Start your Instagram account. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I won't do it. Peer pressure. <laughs> um, yeah, it is kind of funny. I was like listening to you read over it. And I was like, oh, man, we talk, we talk about making Jesus famous a lot. And uh, I don't think these guys actually, I don't think Jesus would like that. Perhaps. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I I think I disagree with you there. All right, you're allowed. <laughs> I think um, at this point in Jesus times ministry, have changed. Perhaps. <laughs> well, we actually know that they don't believe in him. It yeah, literally they're says, just openly mocking him. Yeah, f- yeah, mocking him, testing him, whatever it is. Jesus is not a fan of that. I don't think when we say let's make Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> who's that? <laughs> well, it's a distant cousin. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus's distant cousin. Um, it's like easy. <laughs> When we say, let's make Jesus famous, we're saying, like, hey, let's proclaim Jesus to the world because we actually believe in him. <laughs> That's my pushback. Feel free to push back on my pushback, but... I like it. Okay. Um, let's talk about the cost of following Jesus. That's one of the headings here. So, Jesus is... some A couple of people are like, hey, I'll follow you. And Jesus is like, you won't have a place to live. Also, you can't bury your dad. <laughs> Explain that. <laughs> uh, it's It's... To me, it's one of these things I talked a couple days ago about how, like, I'm afraid that what Jesus' audience understood is different than we understand. I think a lot of times we take what Jesus said and we kind of, like, soften it and make it more comfortable so that it suits our lives. Hmm. Um, I, I, th- I think there's a spiritual component to this. I don't know that everything he meant was, like, completely, concretely exactly what he expected. Right. But these people do get turned away. So you have these people that come to Jesus and they're like, I will do everything to follow you. And he's like, fine, let's go right now. And they're like, well, no, (laughs) Um, which is kind of interesting because I think it probably is applicable in all of our lives at times where it's like, I love Jesus so much. I I will do whatever he says. It's like, okay, do this. Well, you couldn't possibly mean my actual neighbor. (laughs) I don't want to talk to them. (laughs) Listen, I want to be able to put my hand to a plow and look back. So, I'm out. <laughs> you know what? I, there's a There was a pastor in my life that I respected a lot. He used that verse often. Um, and he actually used it to mean like, hey, I'm going to go into this challenging, very challenging new form of ministry. He was, he was leaving our church and going to start another kind of ministry. So, this pastor, he was like going off to start like a new ministry. And this was actually like the, the key thing from his last sermon. It was basically like... I need to focus wholly and completely on this challenging thing in front of me. And so I can't actually like, I refuse to almost 
look back and continue in, to invest here because I'm now going there. And it, it actually was like, you can look back on some of the things they went through um, in that experience that is very cool that they refused to look back because it would have been very enticing actually. Yeah. What year did you start? What year did I start? What? Working here? Work me? Yeah. Um, uh, like eight, 18. Okay. So 17, 18. Oh, was this common here before? Well, well Pastor Sam, shout out to Pastor Sam. Because oh, he, cool. His thing was, his, the phrase he would always say is, keep your eye on the fence post. I think it's a okay. Lancaster County okay. slash um, Luke 9 thing. Yeah. <laughs> Where he was like, like you don't look back. You, yeah. you put your hand on the plow, you keep your eye on the fence post. And that's something that he would say a lot. Um, and that was something that we talked about like in the transition from uh, Pastor Sam to Very Pastor cool. Matt. Um, yeah, I'm not aware of that. But like, yeah, he's, it was a thing that he talked about. And I was, it was like a new thing to me that like this particular verse of just like, keep going straight. Don't look back. What does that actually mean? Um, well, for Jesus, I mean, it's not the person who looks back, who puts a hand to the plow. So I'm thinking like, says, yes, I'm all in the gospel. And then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Like we can't, we can't live in both worlds. Well, and he's speaking this to a real audience, like people with actual lives he's, he's saying these words to. And I think his disciples are taking note of this, like, okay, we need to move forward. We may not go back. Mm-hmm. And actually the, the most shocking thing that happens, I think in, in this narrative of Jesus and his ministry is when we do find the disciples back fishing mm-hmm. and it, it makes us feel yeah. like, Oh, this isn't right. I know. I feel the same way. I'm so yeah. glad I'm the only person that feels that way. Yeah. Cause I'm, yeah. When you read that, you're like, Oh, why? They shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> it's like kind of sad. Yeah. So th- that, I mean, we haven't gotten there yet, but that comes after Jesus dies. Prepare to feel sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Many times. Um, because they're doing exactly what he's asked them not to. And and luckily, that's not where Jesus leaves us right. ever. Yeah. And, and they don't stay there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. Uh, anything stick out to you before we talk about the woman caught in adultery? Oh, you want to talk <laughs> what about... What a setup. <laughs> you want to talk about manuscripts, don't you? Let's talk about that. Uh, manuscripts? Yeah. Um. So we, we read over... Um. John, it'd be John seven fifty three to eight eleven, right. which is a pretty famous story because it's uh-huh. a it's a it's a good story. I mean, it's because <laughs> we like it. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's meaningful. It has a lot of value to it. I think um, the problem is that it's not actually present in a lot of the original books, and actually, uh, centuries of commentaries don't provide commentary on it. So some of the the earliest church leaders, fathers is like classically what we call them. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't provide commentary on this when they do a commentary of John. So that also indicates like, Oh, that it wasn't there. Mm. Um, so there's, it's, it's a little bit challenging. Like obviously like the, we believe the Bible's God's word and it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, we believe that it is, uh, written by people as they were carried about by the Holy spirit to write it. Um, carried about. yeah, carried about. I like it. Um, <laughs> So it should catch our attention when some of the earliest manuscripts that we have, actually quite a few of the earliest manuscripts that we have don't have this. Does that mean that we can't believe it? Not quite, um, because it doesn't actually teach anything opposite of what Jesus would teach. Like if you look at everything Jesus says and does, this story is very much in line with the character of Jesus, the character of God. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not heretical to look over it. Um, A lot of people believe that this was like a verbal story, 
that carried a lot of weight, but it was never actually included. And so it was probably included, kind of mm-hmm. stitched in later on. Yeah. Um, as you go throughout ancient history, uh, this couple of passages start to pop up in manuscripts, and oftentimes it pops up in different places. Hmm. So the further away from today, if hopefully that makes sense, the further away you get from today, uh, at the oldest places, it's not there at all. As you get closer to today, it becomes included, but in several different places and in several different books. And now today it's included here with these brackets. Mm -hmm. Um, I say that not to scare you away from it, but so that you actually just understand how to deal with it. Because a lot of times you may read over this and see these brackets and be like, wait a minute, is this not true? What's going on here? Um, Another thing that's worth noting is that if you do a deep dive into the, into the book of John, um, this particular story includes a lot of language and a lot of description and a lot of phrases that are not in the rest of John. Hmm. So if I start writing letters today and I write letters for the next 20 years every day, um, those letters are going to have a character about them because I'm going to use certain phrases. Well, actually, you listen to this podcast. If Those of you that have been listening to the podcast for a long time. You know the kinds of things that I say. Like the, I would love to hear a list of the the, the stupid say. phrases that I like to use. Uh, one of the things that I like to do is say thing when I'm not actually supposed to say thing at all. So I say like, hey, we're doing a lot with this podcast. We hope you really enjoy this thing. That's not actually proper in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I think it's actually in the closure of this podcast that goes out every single day. Um, oh, so there's a lot of language in these passages that are not really unique to John, which indicates they probably came from somewhere else. Hmm. Um, so what about this woman who's caught in adultery? I, what, what, where in the law of Moses does it say to stone? I think I don't remember that. <laughs> Is she really supposed to get stoned? Um, I do think you're supposed to put adulterers to death. Okay. I do block out the the parts of the law sometimes. I'm um, just like, I don't like hearing about that. <laughs> well, the interesting thing is they're actually both supposed to be charged. Yes, that's true. Uh, they are not. I don't Just know. This woman. I don't know how familiar with acts of adultery everyone is, but to be caught in the actual act is somewhat compromising. Awesome. Yikes. <laughs> um, but but this is the unique thing, and to be caught in the act, and, and the story is clear that that's what happened, mm-hmm. um, that would also mean they were purposely excluding the man. Um, and so there is a, a thought that the man in question is actually one of the Pharisees or something like that. This is oh. a setup. Scandalous. It's very scandalous, yeah. Um, so Jesus stoops down and writes in the sand. Man, what did he write down there? What did he write? What? And <laughs> people you can, are always wondering. You can go down in the rabbit hole about you that. Could. There's lots of different things yes. where people are like, oh, he wrote the law, he wrote this woman's name. Like how how do these people come up with these things? I love it. I think it's fun. <laughs> where where do these hypotheses come from? I think the main point of it is he does everything but pay attention to what's going on in front of him. Hmm. Until he becomes face-to-face with this woman, which is wild. Which is also why he's here. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not... Oh, my goodness. I, I think it's so it's so characteristic of Jesus to not answer these Pharisees and who are trying to test him again and again. He's not interesting in, interested in completing or passing these tests that they want to give him. He's interested in the actual person he's trying to rescue, mm-hmm. which is this woman in this mm-hmm. case. So, I love it. Um, I love that he just ignores them. <laughs> I think it's cool. One of my favorite things to do with this story is imagine what we would have to believe about Jesus if the story went, they brought her in front of Jesus, they said that the law says we should stone her, and Jesus was like, yep, you're right, give me a rock. That'd be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Jesus would have every right to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's He says, let let 
uh, he who was without sin cast the first stone. There's only one person present in the story that has no sin. That's Jesus. So mm. he has every right to throw a stone. Yeah. So he chooses not to. And it actually radically changes how we interact with Jesus because of that. Yeah, that's true. Um, I like that we, um, Nicodemus pops up again. This is Nicodemus is the best. I like he Nicodemus. Like, he pops up. He's like, hey, um, <laughs> is it legal to do this? <laughs> I love it. Also, um, the guards, that the temple guards that go to arrest Jesus, they come back and they're like, we, could, we couldn't do it. There's no one else who talks like this. And the Pharisees mock them. But um, just how Jesus' ministry is impacting people um, that are supposed to be working for the Pharisees. <laughs> I think all of this is great. <laughs> John 7, beginning in verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. Jesus replied, Now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on, I'm not going to this festival, because my time has not yet come. After saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. Luke 9.51 As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to the Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, so they went on to another village. Matthew 8.18 When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross the other side of the lake. Then one of the teachers of the religious law said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. Another of his disciples said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me now, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Luke 9.57 As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. He said to another person, Come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, Yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. John 7.10 But after his brothers left for the festival, Jesus also went, though secretly, staying out of public view. The Jewish leaders tried to find him at the festival and kept asking if anyone had seen him. There was a lot of grumbling about him among the crowds. Some argued he's a good man, but others said he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. But no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public, for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. Then midway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. The people were surprised when they heard him. How does he know so much when he hasn't been trained, they asked. So Jesus told them, My message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Anyone who wants to do the will of the Father will know whether my teaching is from God or merely my own. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. But a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. Moses gave you the law, but none of you obeys it. In fact, you are trying to kill me. The crowd replied, You are demon-possessed. Who's trying to kill you? 
Jesus replied, I did one miracle on the Sabbath and you were amazed, but you work on the Sabbath too when you obey Moses' law of circumcision. Actually, this tradition of circumcision began with the patriarchs long before the law of Moses. For if the correct time for circumcising your son falls on the Sabbath, you go ahead and do it so as not to break the law of Moses. So why should you be angry with me for healing a man on the Sabbath? Look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. Some of the people who lived in Jerusalem started to ask each other, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? But here he is speaking in public and they can say nothing to him. Could our leaders possibly believe that he is the Messiah? But how could he be? For we know where this man comes from. When the Messiah comes, he will simply appear. No one will know where he comes from. While Jesus was teaching in the temple, he called out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I come from, but I am not here on my own. The one who sent me is true, and you don't know him. But I know him because I come from him, and he sent me to you. Then the leaders tried to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. Many among the crowds at the temple believed in him. After all, they said, Would you expect the Messiah to do more miraculous signs than this man has done? When the Pharisees heard that the crowds were whispering such things, they and the leading priests sent temple guards to arrest Jesus. But Jesus told them, I will be with you only a little longer, then I will return to the one who sent me. You will search for me, but not find me, and you cannot go where I am going. Then the Jewish leaders were puzzled by this statement. Where is he planning to go? Yeah, they asked. Is he thinking of leaving the country and going to the Jews in other lands? Maybe he will even teach the Greeks. What does he mean when he says, you will search for me, but not find me? You cannot go where I am going. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. When the crowds heard him say this, some of them declared, Surely this man is the prophet we've been expecting. Others said, He's the Messiah. Still others said, But he can't be. Will the Messiah come from Galilee? For the scriptures clearly state that the Messiah will be born in the royal line of David, in Bethlehem, the village where King David was born. So the crowd was divided about him. Some even wanted him arrested, but no one laid a hand on him. When the temple guards returned, without having arrested Jesus, the leading priests and Pharisees demanded, Why didn't you bring him in? We have never heard anyone speak like this, the guards responded. Have you been led astray too, the Pharisees mocked? Is there a single one of us rulers or Pharisees who believes in him? This foolish crowd follows him, but they are ignorant of the law. God's curse is on them. Then Nicodemus, the leader who had met with Jesus earlier, spoke up. Is it legal to convict a man before he is given a hearing, he asked. They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search the scriptures and see for yourself. No prophet ever comes from Galilee. Then the meeting broke up and everyone went home. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. 
Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, you are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Jesus told them, these claims are valid even though I make them about myself, for I know where I come from and where I am going, but you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I do not judge anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the other. Where is your Father? they asked. Jesus replied, Since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my Father is. If you knew me, you would also know my Father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury. But he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.